Uh, I hope a Christian preacher is allowed to say this. The Gospels sometimes frustrate us. They're not biographies in our modern sense, and there are often lots of details that we would like to know which the Gospels don't tell us. They tell us all we need to know, not always what we want to know. But in our passage today, we have a little glimpse of the very early ministry of our Lord Jesus, his very early public ministry. After his meeting with Nicodemus, Jesus went into the country areas, probably near the River Jordan, and we read he was baptizing. At least uh, uh, we're told in the next chapter, it wasn't uh, Jesus that was doing the baptizing, it was his disciples. But he had joined John the Baptist baptizing movement. Uh, remember his first message when he began preaching was, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And so he was continuing this uh, baptism signifying repentance and wanting to go God's way. We don't know how long this went on for. We don't hear about it again. And John the Baptist was still continuing with his work. He was still preaching. He was still baptizing, probably in a place about 40 miles north of the Lord Jesus himself. Two of John's disciples got into a, a controversy with a man about purifying, and we're not told what it was, but as a result of that, they go back to John and they say, John the Baptist, they say, John, you, you, you know, uh, the man you pointed out to us, well, he's baptizing as well, and moreover, more people are going to him than are coming to you now. They were jealous for their master. But John the Baptist replies, well, he could not have that success if God had not given it to him. He cannot be successful unless God is blessing him, and he won't be successful unless God is blessing him either. And then he takes the opportunity to say again what he has said before. Don't you remember that I told you I am not the Messiah. I'm the messenger. I'm the one sent ahead of him. If you like, he said, I'm, I'm a, his, the friend of the bridegroom, the best man. He said this job of the best man is to arrange the wedding, get everything ready and prepared. He doesn't have the bride. That's the bridegroom but I am the best man. And when the bridegroom comes, the best man can say, my job is done, and he's pleased. And so John is saying, I'm not jealous for Jesus. I'm pleased he's come, and I'm pleased at what's happening now. And then he makes this very well-known statement about Jesus. He must increase. I must decrease. Or if you like, he must become greater, I must become less. His work must grow and develop, my work is coming to an end. Why did he say this? What, what's, what's behind it? Why should the work of Jesus become greater 
and John's gradually diminish. Well, if you uh, noticed when you had your Bible open, after John's statement, he must become greater, I must become less, the quotation marks stop. And the rest of the chapter is something that the Apostle John, the writer of the Gospel of John, something that he says. He has the explanation of why this is so important that Jesus should become greater. Uh, John understood a lot about Jesus, but he couldn't have understood all that John is going to tell us now. And the explanation that he gives for the need for Jesus to become greater it contains some very wonderful things, remarkable words about the Lord Jesus. And they're remarkable for us. And we'll just, we'll just pick out the main points. It's impossible, really, to draw the whole thing out. And I've just chosen four things for us this morning. First of all, where he has come from. He's come from heaven, says John. He's come from above. He says, he who comes from heaven is above all. He's not like John the Baptist, who is an earthly man. And John the Baptist speaks, although with God's message, he speaks from an earthly point of view. But this man, he's bearing testimony to what he has seen and heard, says John. God sent him. He says, he whom God has sent. He's on a mission. He's a man sent from God. And this agrees with the beginning of the Gospel of John. You may remember it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And then a little lower down we read, and this Word became flesh, became a human took on human nature. And John says, we, we saw him. We watched him. Later on, John says, we saw that he was the son of God, more than a mere man. So the first thing is, Jesus had to become greater and more important because he was no ordinary man. Look where he's come from. Look who he's come from. He's the man from heaven. Then there's a second thing. Where his teaching comes from. John says, he whom God has sent speaks the word of God. In other words, his message, his teaching is from God. Well, we could say, well, didn't John the Baptist bring God's word? Yes, he did, but there was a difference. John was like the prophets in the Old Testament. God spoke to them, and they gave God's message to his people. God spoke to him by his Holy Spirit, but there were times when the Spirit was silent. He didn't say anything. There knew times when God spoke to them, but there were times when God was silent. But this Jesus is not like the prophets, not like John the Baptist. He's been given the Spirit of God without any limit. John says, 
God gives the Spirit to him without measure. His relationship to the Spirit of God was completely different. Moreover, what he says is not something that he's worked out. John says he testifies to what he has seen and heard. Jesus is a witness telling his personal experience. He's come from heaven and he's telling what he knows. He could say, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. That is from God. Another place he said, I do nothing on my own, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. At the end of his public ministry, he said, I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. Whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. So this man, John the Baptist is saying, this man has been sent by God. He speaks the words of God. And the Apostle John would agree with that. So John the Baptist was right, wasn't he? I must decrease. He must increase. He's come from heaven. His teaching is from heaven, from God. But there's something else in these few verses. It speaks about the unique relationship that Jesus had with God as his father. John says, the father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. He calls him God's son. The father loves the son. Not just a remarkable man, but God's son. The unbelieving religious authorities wouldn't accept that, and they oppose Jesus violently. But that's what John tells us about Jesus. It was a special love relationship between God the Father and Jesus, God's son. And then John goes on and says, the father loves the son and has placed everything into his hands. All things have been entrusted to him. He has supreme authority. As we go through the gospel, we begin to understand what that means. Uh, Jesus spoke about himself. The Father loves the Son and shows him all that he does. In another place, all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And then in the same gospel, we have the words of Jesus being even more specific. He said, the Father has given the Son authority to judge. Speaking about himself. The Son, a love relationship, all things entrusted to him. Now he's saying, I have authority to judge. Earlier he'd said, I've not come to judge the world. But he's saying, I am the Son and I have authority 
to judge. And one day he will judge. Jesus said, do not be amazed at this, for the time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Do you remember how he called Lazarus? Lazarus, who'd been in the grave for four days. Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out. And there's coming a time when all that are in the grave, said Jesus, will hear the voice of the Son of God and come out. And this will be the time of the last resurrection and the last great judgment of the world. Our Lord Jesus has authority to judge. We could ask the Apostle John, John, do you really mean this, what you're saying to us? Yes, I do, he says. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. John the Baptist was right to say, I must decrease, he must increase. John would say to us, people need to listen to him, pay attention to him. What he says is important. And John would say to us, you need to hear him. You can ignore him. You can reject him. But it will catch up with you in the end. Since he is who he is, we need to listen to him. John the Baptist said he must increase because of where he came from, where his words came from, because of his relationship to God the Father with all things in his hands. But John hasn't finished yet. And he finishes up with a really remarkable statement. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son, whoever rejects the Son, shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. This is John's bottom line in this little statement here. Let me read it again. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever rejects the Son shall not see life, that the wrath of God remains on him. Now there's so much in it all, we, we can't go into all of this, just the bare bones. First of all, about the wrath of God. We don't like to think about it. We might, might want to say there's no such thing. But forget all the lurid medieval pictures about hell, forget them. Don't think of angry, emotional outbursts that you might have witnessed. Or you might yourselves have actually been beside yourself with anger at some time. Forget that. God's anger, God's wrath, is the settled determination of a holy, righteous, just God of integrity, to punish and do away with all evil and wrongdoing. That's his settled determination, and it's what he's going to do. 
And because he's going to do this, he sent his son on a rescue mission. He who believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever hears my word, said Jesus in another place, whoever hears my word and believes on him who sent me has eternal life. He has passed from death to life. He's passed out of condemnation. So we are under condemnation, says the Apostle John, if we don't believe in Jesus. Something else. We're told by nature, naturally, the way we're born, that we all fall short. And we're all in the category of sinners. We don't, comparing ourselves with one another, we don't all sin in the same way, to the same extent. But we're all in that category. We're all sinners. As such, therefore, we are already under the condemnation of God. If we refuse to listen to God's Son, if we reject him, either intentionally or carelessly continue on our own path, we will eventually experience that settled, determined hostility of the righteous God against all that is wrong. We will know what it is to have God against us. God forsaking us. What a frightening prospect. Whoever rejects the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. What more fearful thing can there be? But of course, John hasn't finished. The third thing about this little verse is this. By believing in the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. Not just we will have, we have. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, said John. What does that mean? It means something more than we can ever earn or deserve. It means that we can be the object of God's mercy and love. It means complete forgiveness for every and all sins. Forgiveness just for being in the category of sinners. Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. It means a new relationship with God. We have a new status, even in our daily lives. We're called children of God, sons and daughters of God, by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's more. By believing in him, we begin to experience a new impetus or power in our lives. And then eventually we have the promise of a remarkable future in the life to come. Something more wonderful than we can imagine. God not against us, God for us. And he will never forsake us. Who would not want that? 
So then if this is so important, what is this believing in or trusting in? Well, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is to come to God with repentance, in sorrow, with remorse for all that is wrong in our lives. For the very fact that we are in this category of sinners and we come and we're sorry and we mourn, we're remorseful. It means if we're coming to God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're believing on him, we're saying we want to change and we intend to change as he helps us. We ask forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask for new life, the life of God's Spirit. We make Jesus our Master and our Lord. We go His way. All that is involved in believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we come, not as if we're doing him a favor. <laughs> He's doing us a favor by receiving us and giving us what we could never earn or deserve. John says, whoever rejects of the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life begins now and what a wonderful offer an amazing promise so now we know john that why the john the baptist was right to say jesus had to become greater he's much more important than john the baptist because of where he came from sent by god his father on a rescue mission where his words came from. They came from God the Father. They are the truth. His unique relationship to God his Father, that love relationship as the Son of God. And finally, rejecting or listening to him is a matter of life and death. May God, the Holy Spirit, give us understanding and the will to receive this Lord Jesus Christ into our lives. Let us pray. Almighty and eternal God, God of mercy, God of grace, and God of love, Help us to understand these words about our Lord Jesus Christ and help us to receive him into our own lives. In his name, amen.